0: And hello, watch fans, and welcome to episode 9.7 of Watching Sports and Sporting Watchers. I'm your host, Rob Nuds, and after a couple of weeks away, Balazs and I are back in the smooth booth to discuss the conclusion of the NHL season, the state of play in the NBA finals, the upcoming Euro 2020 final, and the happenings in the first half of the Tour de France. It's going to be a quick one today, so settle in for a whistle-stop whiz around the leagues and a high-intensity race through the streets of France. Let's welcome the Hungarian heartthrob to the airwaves. Balazs, how you doing, buddy? Yeah,
1: I'm good, man. I'm good. Everything's groovy around here. Uh, we have a lot of playoffs to cover. Uh, I don't even know which one to start with. We have NHL, we have, well, it's pretty much over. We have NBA, we have Euro 2020, as you said, so... It's a very, very interesting month. And after this is over, we're going to have the Olympic Games starting in mid-July. So
0: We have like yeah. the recent announcement of Omega's new Aquaterra Olympic Special. Um, RJ covered on the site on, let me think now, it would have been Thursday, I guess. Uh, we're on Sunday today. We are recording uh, for you a few hours ahead of the Euro 2020 final. So that'll be fresh off the press, these takeaways. And you'll be able to find out whether we get it right or wrong uh, in a few hours from now. Uh, talking of predictions... That were made. Um, you did something very clever. Uh, although I must admit, I'm not looking forward to it too much. You went back into our old episodes and you, you noted down our predictions for the leagues that we're going to be discussing. Let's dive straight into the ice right now. Why don't you give us an update of what's going or what went down in the uh, in the Stanley Cup Finals?
1: Yeah, so your your um your Vegas Knights uh, went into obviously the Western Conference Finals against uh, the Montreal Canadiens, which I think was my pick against the stupid uh, Jets or whatever they're called. And my Montreal Canadiens went into the no, finals. No, that was, it, 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 that it was very embarrassing for
0: me, and I have to wear it. Unfortunately, I, I got it wrong. Yet, was I motivated by my heart alone? No, not at all. Vegas were the massive, massive favorites of that game. Nobody had the Canadians going all the way to the Stanley Cup final when they came into the playoffs as the fourth seed in what we assume to be the worst division in in the league and they ran into a golden knights team that i felt was really cresting at the right time and they they dispensed with the avalanche who were the favorites uh, entering the playoffs and were the de facto champions in waiting mm-hmm. but it did not pan out accordingly i believe i made some very bold idiotic prediction
1: the sweeping sound yeah i'm not going to do that because there's no sweeping the Montreal Canadiens went oh, into the finals You almost called that because you called seven games two. for the Canadiens. So you so, almost
0: got that one absolutely bang on. And uh, I have to doff yes. my cap to you. I obviously yes. was on the other side of the fence and in a big way. In a big way, I was wrong. On the other side of the league, go. we got the um, Tampa Bay Lightning, the defending champions, uh, edging the New York Islanders in a seven-game thriller. Also, not what I wanted to happen. And perhaps yeah. at this point of the season, one thing I said that was true in the end... Uh, only only thing that I did say that was true in the end was that the, the quality rises to the top and the the Lightning proved that they mm-hmm. were no fluke winning the league last year with the setup that they had last year and now the league's been completely realigned because of COVID and they did it again.
1: Yeah, the the, the interesting thing is in the first round of the playoffs, they beat uh, Florida, right? 4-2, the Lightning, I mean. And then they went on for the 4-1 Um uh, win over the Hurricanes and then it was 4-3 against the Islanders as you said and then in the finals against the Montreal Can- Canadians so, again 4-1. It was an unstoppable force Pretty much in the unstoppable. end and
0: um, it makes me look at that whole division in which they played and uh, failed to get the top seed right? They were, I, I guess they were the third seed coming out of that?
1: Yeah, the first one was indeed Carolina uh, the second one was the Carolina Hurricanes the second one was the Panthers, the third one was the Lightning and the fourth one was the predator? So it's pretty interesting, right? Because you have two um, um, <laughs> phenomena connected to weather or storms, and two true, yeah, fra- two animals, two big cats: <laughs>
0: the lightnings, the hurricanes, and so the predators. Now we and have the, Panthers. the situation where the Tampa Bay Lightning follow the Tampa Bay Buccaneers having won uh, the Super Bowl and the Tampa Bay Rays and the MLB obviously they mm-hmm. lost the world series last year and i believe they're sitting second in their division at the moment uh, but with a healthy win percentage that should see them make the playoffs they could go on a deep run they could even win this i mean when when the heck did Tampa Bay become title town usa i have no clue When was the last time you had a team i mean you had a city with where three major league teams you know were I champions in the same year i don't know if it has ever happened i was trying i was racking my brains um I guess did the Lakers and the Dodgers win uh the basketball and the baseball at the same time last year so well, 2020 was obviously baseball mm-hmm, and mm-hmm, and mm-hmm.
1: basketball for Los Angeles obviously uh threes no um so I have a chart in front of me cities with multiple championships in in multiple years in 2012, in Los Angeles, the Lakers were the champion, Galaxy was the champion, and the Sparks was the champion. So football, I mean, I mean soccer, uh, women's basketball, WNBA and NBA, right? Other than that, I only see two uh, major leagues. So for example, 2020, Lakers and Dodgers. Um, then in uh, 1988, again, Lakers and Dodgers. In um, 1933... The Giants, the Major League Baseball, and the Rangers from New York were champions. 56, again,
0: Giants and Yankees. So two. Two is good. But three? Unprecedented. And the crazy thing about the Tampa Bay situation is that they don't have a basketball team. So if they did win three, that would be three out of three. I guess, do they have a football team? Is it the Rowdies? Do they exist still? Or did I make that up in my head? Soccer. Yeah, I, I have no clue. I have no clue. But it's only four,
1: four cities that have this, this type of uh, statistics. Los Angeles, New York, Detroit, and Boston. In Detroit, you had the Red Wings and the Shock. Uh, you had in 1952, the Red Wings and the Lions. And in 1935, the Tigers and the Lions. And in Boston, Red Sox and Patriots in 18, and Red Sox and Patriots again in 2004. It's amazing
0: that, that so, Boston, because Boston would probably have been my gut instinct call for a three-way if it, would, if it had ever happened. Because, of course, you've got the Celtics as well have wow. won so many titles, but the other teams were yeah. garbage when they were...
1: Or, yeah. Yeah. yeah the only three three pete or the well, menage a trois whatever you want to call it is as i said 2002 los angeles lakers galaxy and sparks if you consider WNBA and mls the major league soccer as part of the major leagues well, it, i guess it is but yeah, it's uh, not ta- not part of the big four yeah not part big, of the
0: big four uh, yeah i mean I, I, that's fair enough that's an interesting anomaly and uh fair play to the sparks for making la the only three-time winner but you know, when we when we talk about the big the big sports, we're really talking about the NHL, the NBA, the MLB, and the NFL. And yeah, it'd be absolutely crazy if the Rays do manage to get over the hump. Um, I don't fancy them to do it, but I'm on such a cold streak with predictions right now. By me saying that means they probably will. Go to the World Series and sweep whoever they face. Still fancy your Padres to get there, even though they've had a bit of a ropey time recently. Gave up 15 runs to my Nationals the other day. Yeah, I know, right? I know. We'll see. They're in no danger. All right, so um, talking about um, champions in other sports, let's dip into the NBA because we are right in the middle yes. of the finals. And who who is it that's contesting the finals, Balaj? It's the, the PHX against the MEL,
1: as in Germans would say. So Phoenix Suns against the Milwaukee Bucks. Oh, yeah. And today is, uh, what is this, Friday afternoon and... Yesterday night was the second game and the finals. And it seems that Phoenix is pretty unstoppable. 2-0 lead against
0: Milwaukee at this stage. So this as well is making me particularly look like an idiot on many levels. Um, because Oh, yeah. Uh, yeah, big time. So do you have in front of you what I predicted mm-hmm. to happen, Nick? Would you like to share it with our dear listeners? Yeah, so we at the time we had the... The Jazz and the Clippers uh,
1: was still ongoing, right? So in the West, just to, to give our, our listeners a bit of a recap, we had Utah Jazz playing against the Clippers, and then the, the Clippers went into the Western Conference Finals. And on the other end, we had Phoenix playing Denver, and then Phoenix went into the Finals. So the Western Conference Finals was Phoenix against um, the Clippers, and it was a 4-2 win for Phoenix. Now, you said uh, for the Jazz Clippers... Um, Uh, well, conference semifinals, that the Jazz will win in seven. Well, that never happened because the Clippers went 4-2, so in six. (laughs) I said the Clippers will win in six.
0: Boom. Wow, what a hammer drill. Which did happen. Amazing.
1: But I agreed with you that the Clippers, I'm sorry, that the Jazz is a very good team. However, I mentioned that Clippers in six twice. So I've kind of guessed it, kind of stepped back and then kind of said again. So I give this to me. Ching, um, money. Then and then I predicted Clippers and Suns in the West. So Balash corrected, uh, predicted that correctly. Two points for Balash. Ching, zero for Rob. Money. Um, then we went into the East when we both said that the champ will come from the East. Obviously, we don't know this yet, but it seems that <laughs> it seems like it won't. <laughs> what a two-nil lead. Yeah, we're zero points for any of us. And, and Robert, you said that the Bucs will win in six. Uh. Um, and to give you give again a bit of a recap on the conference semifinals, we had Philadelphia against Atlanta, and Atlanta went over uh, went um, into the finals four three against uh, Philly. And on the other end, we had Milwaukee against Brooklyn. It was a crazy game, crazy series. The last game was was amazing to watch. 4-3 again, but what a game that was. And so the Bucks went into the finals uh, against Atlanta. And then, well, the Milwaukee Bucks triumphed over Atlanta 4-2. Uh, Atlanta was really great. I enjoyed seeing them play. It was a, a, a very good series. And so we said that the Bucs, uh, Rob says that Bucks in six, which is true. So one point for Rob. It's 2-1. Amazing. Um, and you said also, yeah, Bucks go into the finals. I said that as well. Mm-hmm. Um, No, sorry, that's not true. I said that Atlanta will be in the finals. Oh, okay, okay. So that's not, um, that was not true. Two points for me, one point for you. And right now we're in the finals. Phoenix against the Milwaukee Bucks.
0: Well, I guess um, I'm going to continue to cover my face with Egg entirely. And I'm just going to go for it and say the Bucks are going to come back and they're going to win this one in seven and I'm saying that because I have to double down on that prediction of a winner coming from the east. And uh I'm not gonna I'm not gonna flip over to the Suns right now, even though they do look, like you said, absolutely unbeatable. I have to have faith that the Bucs will figure it out and make good on their dismissal of the Nets, who we all thought were I mean, come on, it was an easy pick, but um Mm-hmm. Yeah, still a bit of a shock that they they collapsed in the way they did, but yeah, after the injuries to the team and uh, whatnot, maybe we shouldn't be too surprised. Maybe next year will be their year. I, I thought you did well back in the Hawks as far as you did because you had the Hawks in the first round of the playoffs, and then you did call them to go over the the Sixes, I think. So very nice.
1: Yeah, and 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 which they did, and I think it was a very sympathetic team. Um, they they played well. Um, uh, Trey Young, you know. Despite his young age, no pun intended um he was really a, um an exceptional player and he, and he was a true leader in the team which didn't quite have leaders uh, uh, look at look at phoenix you have chris paul um a veteran seasoned uh, player for you know many many years um and you have devin Booker a young buck <laughs> coming up so just a great great uh, great um you know, one-two punch, and then of course all the team around them is, is amazing. So th- there you have your your veterans, uh, superstars, all-star players, and then you have the young up-and-coming talents. And the East, in Atlanta, it's it's pretty much Trey Young, right? It was all about Trey Young, and then of course in the box you have again plenty of of players starting with Giannis, and um, obviously um, he's well, he's out for the rest, uh, not the rest, but for the next. Next few games, um, I heard that he's going to be out until game four or five in the finals. So that's going to be tricky. That's why I'm saying that I predict a Phoenix. Nice big gold ring in the end with some diamonds in six. In six, are you giving the books
0: too? I thought you were going to say Phoenix in five.
1: No. Mm. I talked to one of my my friends and uh, colleagues here at Chrono uh, Twenty Four. Uh, he knows who he is, and he said Bucks in six, and I would say yes in six, but Phoenix in six. Um, they just—I don't know. Chris Paul is is on fire, really, and he's he just seems to have the perfect um, way to 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 control the team and and fire them up, and you know he takes the the basically the attention, the blame everything, and he lets Devin Booker be Devin Booker. Um, which is great because Chris Paul, as I said, he's a seasoned player, he knows how to deal with this. And Devin Booker is is a, a very young, phenomenal player who has no experience. I mean last year, don't forget, the Phoenix didn't the Phoenix Suns did not even get into the playoffs. This year they're in the damn finals.
0: Yeah. It's a remarkable turnaround and they've done fantastically well to get this far and Yeah, I think at this point, obviously, I'm betting against the favourites just because I'm hoping that um, I can score one great prediction um, because I haven't been doing very well, that's for sure. I'm definitely trailing the stakes when it comes to you. Um, Talking Mm -hmm. of my hope for a green-jerseyed champion, um, we had some very green news this week on Fratello. Would you like to tell the audience what that is, Balaj? Well, after two days,
1: I was so tired of seeing you in every single Fratello story on Instagram. It was awful. (laughs) Awful. I either saw you, or I heard your silly little voice, or I saw a picture of you modeling a watch. It was... I, I, honestly I said okay let me buy this damn watch so just, we just get over with it and, and <laughs> finally Rob will be gone from, from Instagram um,
0: but,
1: but um, no old jokes aside because obviously I'm, I'm joking Are you- we had a great release um, that's true I really I was like really another video of Rob Jesus Christ this guy is in love with himself um, <laughs> <laughs> so we had a we had a, stop googling. we had the, the Tzapek Antarctic Fratello edition released this week uh thursday was the day right if i'm not mistaken yesterday that's right and we had quite a run as in what was that 40 minutes 39
0: 39 minutes 39 minutes yeah
1: 39 minutes it was gone by the time i woke up i couldn't even look for my credit card it was already gone 50 pieces um and i have to say i have to say um to everybody who's who doesn't know obviously that you guys don't know the the back end of this rob really did uh, an amazing job i'm giving his flowers while he's still alive because we don't know when we're going to lose him, you know, it could be any moment. <laughs> now he really did great with the watch. Uh, it was annoying to uh, you know listening to him talking about this project for such a long time behind the scenes. But the watch, I haven't seen it in real life because he never came to me, although he promised. Whatever. Um, but but no, seeing the pictures, it's really a, a beautiful watch. The dial is amazing. What really captures my attention, however, is the back it's just that that movement is is beyond uh anything that i i've seen in this category so it's really a wonderful piece with a micro rotor movement um i think rob you can talk a bit more about that than i do but um yeah so this was our release 50 pieces uh beautiful green dial with chapek um and fratello and um sadly or well i don't know happily it's already gone sold out in 39 minutes wonderful release So congratulations to you and thanks for all the hard
0: work well, it was a pleasure. I mean, we we're all very lucky to get to work with um, with the brands that we do collaborate on these projects with. And Japek was like a really special one for me personally, as most of you probably know, because I've been banging on about it for ages now. But um, it was a real thrill and it was exciting to see the watches be so well received. And uh, yeah, you're right. That movement is something something else. Like it almost gets lost um, in the conversation, because of the, the green dial that mixes the Flinke from the Passage to Drake series with the indices from the Ter Adeli, And uh, that's completely new for the brand. They even made like a new minutary for us so that those longer indices could go right up to the edge of the case, which has never been the case with the Passage to Drake. So that was lovely. And that's obviously the main talking point because the movement is the same movement that you'd find in the normal Antarctiques, but it's there's nothing standard about it. It's completely new, no. like made exclusively for Chapek and looks an absolute dream. Uh, they changed the micro rotor from a gold micro rotor to a yeah. recycled platinum rotor. That was a nice update and I thought that it chromatically fit the movement even better than the gold rotor and uh, it's a joy to watch it. You know, I do often take it off my wrist and turn it over and you know, play with it and see it operating and just be thankful that we live in a really good age of steel sports watch design. Uh, I was just talking to Luke from uh, Time and Tide earlier today about the holy trinity of modern sports watch design, as as I have dubbed it, um, the Chapec Antarctic, the Moser Streamliner and the Bogari Octofinissimo together make this wonderful triumvirate that in my mind rivals the glory days of the 1970s with the Royal Oak, the Nautilus and the Overseas. So if you're a lover of watch design, this is a great time to be into the hobby and I was just glad that we were able to contribute something to it because normally when you take on a collaboration with a brand, you don't have too much wiggle room of what you can do. A lot of the time it's a dial color and that's it really. Maybe a little bit of custom engraving on the back, maybe a slightly different pad printing on the dial itself, but actually manufacturing a unique component to bring together elements of two existing models uh, is really, really next level stuff. And we have to thank Chapek for having the belief in the vision and also taking the time to do the necessary research and development to bring it to life. So yep. awesome stuff. Absolutely. And, uh, we'll be back soon. We'll be back soon with, with more collaborative pieces. Um, and I'm looking forward to sharing that with you in the coming weeks. Can you hint something? Well, give, yeah, I'll give you a small hint. Um, given the fact that coronavirus seems to be, uh, a little bit more under control than it has been for the past 18 months. Borders are reopening, and many of us will begin traveling once more. And if you are someone that spends a lot of time flipping over borders and through time zones, you might want to keep your eye on Fratello for the next uh, next release that we have coming in September. It's going to be announced mid-September. So there you go. hmm
1: Okay, interesting. So it's probably going to be a... a a chronograph of the moon phase right that's something that travelers need yeah it's, it's a lot. definitely
0: gonna be solid platinum dripping with diamonds and uh, mm-hmm. only available on an integrated bracelet that doesn't go down to a wrist size lower than 24 centimeters so wide appeal you know yeah that's uh,
1: yeah that's the the biggest uh, piece of the pie when it comes to the market but um, it's interesting I mean I obviously I have some ideas uh, contrary to popular belief we at Fratello don't always know everything at the You know, at the same time, there are obviously projects going on. So after the recording, I might ask Rob to give me an update on this watch and maybe send me a picture. But um, cool stuff. Looking forward to it in two months' time, huh?
0: Yeah, a bit of a rapid turnaround uh, from one release to the next. We're not planning on um, dropping... Uh, collaboration pieces so regularly in the future. It just so happened that because of the way the calendar fell over the summer, it made more sense to release the Chapek when we did. And we already had the project with this other as yet unnamed brand lined up for uh, end of August, September. So we delayed it a couple of weeks. so It wasn't quite the flurry, but there should be a little bit more of a gap before the next one, but we'll wait and see. We'll, We'll assess the situation and the progress of that project because the one after the one after the Chapek, is uh is complex very complex so a lot of work to be done on that one yet okay
1: i'm lost now one after the one after well we'll see i'm I'm pretty sure we're going to report on it on on wasp but um, what we have to report on speaking of reportings is something that's happening in europe right we visited the us we talked about hockey we talked a bit about football baseball basketball obviously but we haven't talked about the other football the football football the european football football with the feet with the f- yeah and the 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 ball that is like kind of whitish and usually round instead of egg shaped it's a prolate spheroid if if you want to know uh, okay i'm so sorry i i I'm, you're way more professional than i am obviously no problem what can i say but um listen to me we're talking about euro we could talk about euro 2020 but unfortunately for you as an Irishman... <laughs> This game is over, man. Well, before it even started, the game never, be began, fair, huh? yeah, the game never no, began. Exactly. Exactly. Don't, don't you dare saying that you're English because I'm going to reach over the monitor and start strangling you. I support the
0: English football team. Um, yeah, Um Of course you do. God damn it. Because they're in the finals. No, I mean, I grew up, I grew up in England. So like I, I never, you know, I saw, um, I saw Ireland playing a couple of tournaments when I was younger, quite memorably in like the 94 world cup. And that was a real thrill. And, uh, I, I I never really um, never really came to the England side until my teens. I was always a fan of the Irish, and for some reason, I was a big fan of the Dutch team when I was younger. I just liked the 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 green and orange oh, combos, I guess. When they played against one another, that was always a a real nice treat for me. But I, I became, I suppose, I started to get really wrapped up in the England team as it's kind of unavoidable when you live in a country and the rest of your family um, defines themselves as English. Uh, in Euro '96, which was the last time we made it uh, mm-hmm. this far. Uh, to uh, the semis back then and of course now England have gone one step further to the finals so uh, were this a game between England and Ireland in the final I would have very very split loyalties and a tough time choosing but for me knowing who I want to win the game and being so invested in it from a position of my friends and family you know growing up with this agony which I shared in in the pubs uh, I'm desperate for England to win but um, yeah I think they're up against it they're not the favourites in this game are they?
1: I, I don't think so, but we kind of went a bit ahead so let's let's rewind a bit and talk about probably the quarterfinals right that we shouldn't go back more than that but that was quite an interesting uh, um, few days, especially when we when we watched the game Spain against Switzerland. Uh, I think that was a memorable a memorable game. Wow, um, they were
0: fantastic games, weren't they? Um,
1: oh, yeah. I mean, uh, I guess Switzerland blew up a little bit after their win against France. Um, I mean, I need to mention as a Hungarian that although we are out from the deaf group, Group F, I think, was it? All the other teams who were in the group, and let me name them, Portugal, France, Germany, they're all out as well. So... Hungary did okay for a small, uh, and, um, well, let's just say not favorable team. Well,
0: you're desperately unlucky, really. I mean, the, the table yeah. shifting about as it did on the final day of, um, group F's games was just unbelievable to watch. And obviously the Germans managed to do against Hungary what they so often do against teams that, um, maybe deserve the win a yeah. little bit more, um, they got found out against England in a really weird way. The first forty five minutes of that last sixteen clash between England and Germany was all germany really they They really put the pressure on England, and england couldn't settle at all. but I mean,
1: look the German Hungarian game Hungary was leading twice yeah. one nil right yeah, and it was one one yeah two one again for Hungary, and then in the end two two so uh we played well, but anyways we're out and i'm and I'm happy that everybody's from that group is out ha ha <laughs> um, but it's just a game at the end of the day, right but quarterfinals spain moved on italy moved on um obviously they they paired up in the semifinals and then denmark and england this is what i wanted to mention with 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 a funky opposite flags right the white with yeah. the red cross and then the red with the white cross so denmark man in the semifinals what a game it was huh
0: it was fantastic i mean um as someone that once England to win this tournament, it was uh, excruciating viewing. Um, but I love the Danes. Uh, at the start of this tournament, I bought the Danish home shirt. It was the only shirt I bought. I didn't buy the English one, funnily enough. I buy Danish every week. <laughs> nice. Uh, I love I love Hummel. I love the. I love that shirt design. I thought it was really crisp and clean. And you know what the pattern on the front of the Danish shirt is? Did you read about it? No. So What is it? It's a sound wave taken from the crowd in a 2019 game against the Republic of Ireland. So oh. my surname, Nuds, is, uh, is Danish in origin. Um, it comes from Canute, or and nowadays, like, Nusen is like the sort of Danish version of it with, with K-N-U-D-S-E-N. Uh, so I have this kind of, like, distant fondness for Denmark because of my um, genealogy. And um, mm-hmm. with the Irish sound wave on the front, for sure, I was like, this is kind of... This is this is fate telling me to buy this this jersey, so I bought it and I wore it during the England Ukraine game in the quarters because I went out, I snuck out in in uh, Neustadt, um, undercover an undercover England fan. Uh, I thought everybody loves the Danish. I mean, everybody loved the Danish to begin with, but after what happened to Eriksen in uh, in the first game, you know, everybody who was a neutral, was surely hoping that the Danes would pull through against England and make it make it a repeat of the ninety two miracle that saw them win the title. So. Um, mm-hmm. I was happy that they played the Danes uh, because it meant whoever won, I, I would know who I was supporting in the final and, you know, who could begrudge Denmark um, that victory if they were to get it. And they almost did. Uh, fantastic free kick from Damsgaard's, uh beat the wall very handily. I don't think Pickford had a huge chance because he was banking on the wall, being able to stop it um, from that angle. And then, well, they got unlucky. And then we, uh, we need to talk about that that penalty kick about the penalty well let's talk about the own goal first i mean the, at the end of the day when you look at the 120 minutes that were played the best team won there's no doubt about it like england were far far superior the danes spent the majority of the game camped in their own half on the edge of their penalty box england looked absolutely scintillating at times the first 10 minutes and then 20 minutes between 60 and 80 minutes they're firing on all cylinders they looked devastatingly effective except they couldn't beat michael he was absolute monster in goal Uh, despite the fact some nasty little English fan was shining a laser pen on his face which I read about today and that's disgusting yeah that that fan should be found and banned for life from all stadia because that's just not sporting at all um Schmeichel was man of the match for me thought he was just superb kept Denmark in it a couple of great headers that he palmed away brilliant strong hands saved the penalty Uh, that we're about to talk about um, and was unlucky that it rebounded so perfectly for Kane who did very well to finish it but Schmeichel almost saved the rebound as well he got back up on his feet and it was it was a fingertip thing so unlucky I mean I think
1: if it wasn't an own goal it would have been a goal anyways right because the the striker was just behind him or next to him on his left it's just
0: a bit cruel for the Danes that it goes down as an own goal like it was a brilliant move by England and yeah I think it was Saka that was like totally you know on the end of that cross uh, from Sterling, but um just a shame that it went in off for Dane because um you know great player great effort and um what else could he have done in that situation he had to he had to get in before before Saka got there and if he if he caught it just right maybe Schmeichel could have swept it up before it went over the line but there we are. But the penalty yeah. it was a penalty. I'm sorry. It wasn't it was a penalty. It wasn't it was I- I'll no, say no. this. I think Sterling was looking for it uh, I don't think he was completely cleaned out in the way that like y- it would take for like to get Zidane off his feet or something. I watched I watched the rerun of like an old Euro 2004 group game against Zidane and <laughs> against Zidane and England against France and England and like the English players were absolutely bullying him like they were upending him. He sort of spanned like 360 in the air once from a, a Lampard tackle and he just sort of looked sat on the ground and looked at Lampard for a second then stood up. Like players like that don't exist anymore. You would not have been able to bulldoze a player of Zidane's integrity and strength down in that situation, even if it was um, a pincer move, as it was for these two Danish defenders. But it was a penalty. It was an uncontrolled, like, rash um, dual collision. There was contact. He didn't go down without contact. I think that's quite clear. Could he have stayed on his feet? Possibly. And that's disappointing to have to say that maybe it's a symptom of a modern game, that if you go clattering into a challenge in the box – and at that time of a game like this with so much on the line you've got to you've got to know that you're likely going to give away a pen var checked it var confirmed it and var's been good in this tournament so what can i say where did they where, where did they play the game they played the game in Wembley yeah but with i think german referees thank so. you <laughs> <laughs>
1: thank you let's move on to the thank you let's move on to the finals okay. final okay. god damn it why i always say finals this one final yeah so anyways italy uh, beat spain obviously with that was also fun that
0: was a scintillating game a much better game to watch
1: oh yeah oh yeah with with penalties in the end um I like the the Italian team I mean you know people always say that Italy is good is good they were not really good in the last few years it's a very young team very energetic team I think they're, they're pretty good I enjoyed watching them and I think uh Italy and England in the final on Sunday the 11th so um, today when you guys are listening this because it's coming out on Sunday at uh, 9 p.m. Well, European time or Central European time CET, uh, the game will be on. I think it's going to be a marvelous final for the Euro 2020. What's your prediction? as a uh, so englishman obviously now you are look
0: don't paint me like that like uh, well, but that's, next that's, that's week next fair. year you
1: will be italian you say you uh, know i'm rob Nuts, but i'm from italy originally uh, yeah you know that you're a ship jumper man
0: and you, you know that i uh, Just admit it i am anything but a ship jumper i am a dedicated to You are a sometimes sometimes uh, you my are a sometimes my sports affiliations don't make a huge amount of sense nor do my passion for the teams like it doesn't align like You know, my football team, my American football team comes from Arizona. My hockey team comes from Las Vegas. My baseball team comes from Washington. Like, what are my affiliations? They're all like personal connections to them. And the England team. You like the West Coast. The England. Well, what about Washington? Um, Washington, D.C., baby. Ah, it's true. Um, I thought Washington State. No, regrettably not. Um, I. I support the English team for good reasons. Like I grew up in that culture. Like I lived and died with all the other English fans every single year. Like it's impossible to not be swept up in that. And to be quite frank with you, mate, if I'm more likely to be German next year than I am to be Italian. Because if the Germans had gone past England in this tournament, I would have been backing them alongside the Danes to win it. Because all my friends and family over here are German. I'm just I'm that kind of guy. Do I, do I want England to win? Yeah, because I desperately want to see the team that I, uh, I I watched all my friends and family root for and root for myself growing up. Um, to do it I've never experienced it I've never even seen England play in a final and um, my German girlfriend didn't get this at all like I almost cried at the full-time whistle I didn't Um, if they win on Sunday today I will probably shed a tear of disbelief Um, but I said to her you've seen she was born in 1990 and I was like you've seen five finals and you've seen three victories two world cups and one euro championships like you cannot know what it's like to be a sports obsessive and to not see the team you root for, not even get to a final, and to lose in heartbreaking fashion many, many, many times, to have the best team in the world, multiple tournaments, 2002, 2004, 2006, you name it, that was the best team in the world. And they didn't do anything. They got beaten in devastating fashion. So my prediction is if England are able to um, buck... The history, the weight of history uh, on their shoulders and play like they did in the first 10 minutes against Denmark, it's going to be a 2-1 win to England in the 90 minutes.
1: Okay. I'm not going to predict any uh, scores, but I'm going to say Italy. I'd love to see Italy win uh, just because that's just, you know, another
0: what another knife in my back that's nice um, of course so of course. um thanks uh thanks our sporting fraternity is 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 ever my more pleasure. close um you know italy have only won the euros once that was 1968 how many times has england won the euros <clears throat> um sorry you broke up for a second there i, I couldn't hear what you're yeah. saying it's, it's finally coming home it's
1: coming home to work it's never been home isn't, know? That
0: what Cas- <laughs> isn't that what casper said in the uh, in the interview the other day
1: well, maybe, but, but, but he's right. It, you, England never won a Euro Cup. So it's not coming home because there's never been home. That's not the home of the Euro Cup.
0: Uh, that's absolutely true. Yeah. But I mean, um, I think that the whole it's coming home thing is the fact that we invented football. And I think, I, I don't think like, well, I mean, Uruguay won the first World Cup. So does anyone, does anyone think that like when Uruguay, okay, they won, they won the fourth World Cup as well. So, you know, whenever it goes back to Uruguay, do people think that like the World Cup is home? No. I mine. guess so. Yeah, football's coming home. We're not talking about the particular trophy. It's like it's our. It's, it's We our are sport. talking
1: about the. Well, what about you? Won the work up in 1966, right?
0: Apparently so. Although I was minus 19 years old at the time, so I'm. I, uh, yeah. I'm I not too sure if it really happened. Like the moon landings, I wasn't there. Did it happen, <laughs> or was it all staged by Omega in a basement in Beale?
1: <laughs> there you go, with Stanley Kubrick shooting the. <laughs>
0: yeah right. Scenes right. Great.
1: with the props that marked crazy stuff well in any case tonight's gonna be a good game um and then as i said we talked about this once this is all over the nba finals will be over in a few days in a week or so or two weeks then the olympics will start and uh, of course with the olympics whatever you want whatever sports you like it's gonna be there basketball is gonna be there swimming is gonna be there fencing is gonna be there and a ton of other sports of course you don't need to give you the whole list um and I think that's pretty much, um, I mean, the Olympics is going to be pretty much the last big sporting event this year, right? Because, well, we have not talked about one last event, which we kind of mentioned a few episodes ago, and where you have a personal connection to, in a way. Are you talking about the Tour de France, by any chance? I am talking about the Tour de France,
0: you know. Oh, well, the Tour de France is... Something of a sporting mecca, I think for many cycling fans, especially, and certainly for, for me, I grew up Mm -hmm. wanting to be a professional cyclist. I was obsessed with it. I rode my bike every day until I was, um, unceremoniously run over um At the age of sixteen, and <laughs> stalled a uh, stalled what was not a particularly promising career, but one that I could have kidded myself might have resulted in at least a Grand Tour appearance at some point. As a domestique to hand water bottles to an actually what? talented athlete, that explains everything they ran over. Now I understand. <laughs> it was it was brutal. I was coming down a hill on my daily ride, and I I used to ride a bike that I'd built myself out of really old parts because in those days you couldn't buy a racing bike for for you know any less than several hundred pounds um, at the least. Mm -hmm. They weren't as ubiquitous as they are now. Now you can go to Decathlon and get one for like 160 quid and it's perfectly adequate. But in those days, it just wasn't available. So I used to buy like old bikes and parts on eBay and build my own bike. And I must say that that the brakes that I bought were not the best. Um, I, I didn't have the luxury of good brakes. And I was riding down this hill. I was going about 40 miles an hour, I think, according to my speedo and it was raining and it was a, a ride i did every day really and I, I knew that road very well but an old man in a uh, small fiat um didn't see me coming and reversed out of his drive straight onto the road and i hit the back of his car as he reversed into me went right over the top of him and landed luckily on the grass verge breaking um most of the ribs on my oh. left hand side but not actually realizing i, I sort of landed like um I called it like a Superman fall. I had my left arm out. So my head hit my arm. I had a helmet on. Um, I always wore a helmet even when I was a kid. And, um, yeah, I, I got lucky. Didn't get any head injuries as far as I know. And, um, yeah, but the ribs were a bit, a bit, uh, wrecked. Um, I stood up, um, gave the guy a withering look, picked up my bike, which had sort of survived just fine. And, uh, cars on the other side of the road stopped and asked if I was okay. And I thought I was fine. So I got back on my bike and went home, but then I was breathing really funny the next day in school. So I had to go to a hospital and it turns out one of my ribs was poking into my lung at the time. And there's not much you can do for broken oh. ribs. So, uh, you just have to kind of wait for it to relocate and not be on the bike. Cause being hunched over or bent over as you are on a racing bike, of course is, uh, is not good. So I let it heal for about six months. I think I was out. And then I never really got my head back. I did start cycling again a few years later in my mid 20s but by that point of course it's kind of I was over the hill. There was only one man I know of that's really started cycling that late and gone on to great things and that is our dear friend Primož Roglič who was on the show a couple of episodes ago. His career started as a ski jumper but he moved over to the bike. Ski and it's amazing isn't it what Insane. yeah what a, what a crazy couple of things. I mean he must have he must have one heck of a head on his shoulders because you know I'm talking about like, yeah. the head that I lost in that crash um at, you know 40 miles an hour is not slow speed but it's not the kind of speed that these guys come down the mountains at i mean you have to be a daredevil you have to be insane and uh, the only sport that really s- jumps out at me as one where you have to be even more insane is ski jumping because goodness me i mean throwing yourself into that that kind of height on a pair of skis and landing the jump with nothing but your knees between your hips and your feet is just crazy stuff but he was on the show we talked to him for a little bit he's a tiso ambassador he's a really nice guy uh, number one in the world, like I say, and um, one of my favorite riders on the current scene. He had a very unfortunate start to the tour. He was caught up in one of the many, many early crashes. Um, he was not not right mm. um, thereafter. And he abandoned, I think, after stage eight, before stage nine, um, if I'm right. There was just too much time. Uh, Tade Pogacar is on blazing form. He's got a five-minute lead as we record now on Friday. Um, I guess the stage is underway at the moment. So sadly for Primoz, it did not end as we hoped, um, as I'm sure many predicted, um, myself included. I thought he would be on the podium. At least I'd hoped he would win it this year. I really would love to see him do it. Uh, But on the plus side, he's got a couple of weeks more rest before the Olympics, which he mentioned in the podcast he was targeting. So fingers crossed, Slovenia Mm -hmm. will get the double. Tade looks like he's going to go on and win his second tour with ease, if I'm being quite frank. There is nobody that looks anywhere near as good as him. And I imagine that gap that he's put into his rivals will only grow. It could be one of the biggest winning margins we've seen in recent history. I uh, wouldn't be surprised if he got over ten minutes by the end of it. To be quite frank, and then hopefully Primoz can um, can get the gold at the Olympics and make it a Slovenian double. That would be awesome.
1: Right, indeed. So what, what was your what was your go to? Uh, what were your go to bike parts, like vintage Italian? Road bikes like Pinarellos and stuff, or like maybe Japanese stuff, Miyatas, Nishikis, or
0: no. To be quite or frank, just
1: anything you could get your hands on.
0: Mostly that, yeah. Mostly what I could get my hands on. And I remember my frame was Peugeot. Um, I had a Selle Italia saddle, mm-hmm. and I had, I had some. Oh, I thought Brooks Brothers, man. No, no. I mean that that stuff didn't become hip until later. I mean we're talking no, no. we're talking twenty years ago, well, more than twenty years ago, twenty five years ago when I started doing this, and. um oh. Obviously, it's not Brooks Brothers, but Brooks. Yeah, you mean the brown leather that saddles, the like the really cool, like... Um, uh, yeah, but Brooks Brothers is the, you know, the, the, the suit. The now brand. defunct um, North American suit chain is it closed. closed. Oh, is it defunct now? Yeah, they oh, went. Oh, it could be. Yeah, yeah. They went under during the pandemic, which was devastating. I used to try their stuff oh. on a lot when I was traveling around the States for Nomos. And mm-hmm. I always wanted to buy something, but I had no space in my hand luggage for it. Mm-hmm. And uh, I hoped that I would get the chance to go back to America as a tourist and pick up something, but it's gone. Dead in the water.
1: Yeah. No, I meant Brooks, indeed the 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 leather, the brown leather yeah, uh, saddle, uh, bike meant, saddle yeah. maker.
0: No, I was uh, I used to buy all my stuff um, that I got new from Pro Bike Kit um, in the Lake District, mm-hmm. and I would often just wait and see what came up on sale and just pick up. So they had a lot of seller Italia stuff, and, like with the gel saddle that was nice, and I get, mm-hmm. got a nice red one of those for my 16th birthday, just before the crash and uh, do you
1: still have it at, at your mom's place for example mm-hmm. back in back in the uk or
0: you know what i don't think i do i i gave my current racing bike to my brother when i left germany and he gets a bit of use out of it uh his father-in-law has a few very nice bikes that he keeps getting for ridiculous prices it's unbelievable he's called stew stewie holmes so shout out to stew mm-hmm. he's, he bought a new one last week shout out to stewie which he he paid like 600 quid for it and that was half the price it's like carbon fiber frame. I could pick it up with one finger. It's nuts. You know,
1: yeah. Well, these these bikes are crazy, man. It's so expensive. I just, I when when the uh, the Tour de France started, I read an article about the latest bike trends, and like it was about the bikes that these guys use. And obviously, many of them just like a like a Formula One car. You cannot just go and buy in a shop, right? You cannot buy these bikes because. Sure pretty much everything is custom made, but it's just insane the amount of money. these. Stu- I mean, of course, it's nowadays everything is it's pretty expensive, but it's just insane. Like really so light um, and sturdy at the same time. Um, I mean, we've seen this, this crash, let's not get into that with that idiot who wanted to send a message to Oma and Opa and managed to- Silly, uh, Silly Cause this accident when I don't know, guys broke their wrists and their, their ankles anyways just crazy um but you know what um fun fact our very own g twizzle aka g pops aka my surrogate father he used to have a website selling vintage japanese racing bikes no way. Believe it or not. <laughs> maybe maybe it's still online i don't know i i was while you were talking i would try to search for the the address i can't find it but maybe you can ask him and put it in the show notes i don't know if it's still functioning but he used to do that with a friend as a hobby and i remember they got a a pretty cool website with the bikes photographed in like a, I think it was like a living room kind of area or like a bar. I don't know, but it was yeah. G pops is he's he's the renaissance
0: man and he's he's done it all. That is amazing. I mean, I I think it's funny how we perceive the value of these things, these bikes, because um, like you said, like the stuff is crazy expensive and like the level of detail they go to in pro cycling now is crazy. Like the type of paint that they use on or um, well, Ineos Grenadiers bikes, the uh, formerly Team Sky um it's like especially formulated to shave off a few grams of weight like it's absolutely insane um it you wouldn't even think that they think about the things that they do but it's all like taken into consideration and uh these bikes cost what 10 grand 15 grand maybe like for a real pro setup and we're like oh my goodness that is so expensive and yet here we are like chatting about 20k watches 50k watches um, like that's acceptable yeah. and like 5k watches as if it's like an affordable option you know like it's just where your perception is because like a bike like a bike has to carry a whole human's weight and it has to be safe you know you want to watch which is a fine precision instrument to work but if it breaks <laughs> an inopportune moment you're likely to miss a train you're not likely to come off um over the handlebars and down a ravine in the Alps. So like I'm okay with these bikes costing that much money. I don't need a bike that costs that much because I'm not a pro. No. But um interesting stuff. But like I said like Stu, he's got three bikes now. He's got a Cannondale that he paid 350 quid for, which had a retail of like 1400 and he's got like another I can't remember what it is, maybe a Scott that he got 50% off at the end of year sales So my advice is like don't buy a new bike. Like somebody is going to buy a new bike like the guy he bought this recent one off for 600 quid and ride it for a couple of weeks and decide it's not for him. It's not his bike. And they're going to flip it for basically nothing like half the price or even something crazy like that Cannondale for 350. I was just standing in his garage and I was like, I'll give you 500 for this Cannondale right now. And he was like, well, of course not. Like it's an absolute steal. Like, I can <laughs> ride this bike for the rest of my life. He just had to get a new cassette for the, uh, for the newest one he bought because it was sort of tailor-made for more like city riding and where, where we where he lives and where, Uh, I grew up, it's very hilly, you know, so, uh, in the peak district. So you need Mm -hmm. need those, those lower gears. And that's what we're going to be enjoying now in the tour de France, going into the mountains. And this is the bit that I really loved as a kid. My favorite rider was Richard Veronica. And I I always loved watching him win the King of the mountains Jersey, which he did seven times. And, uh, yeah, this is where today, Pogaccia is really going to put, um, put, put his rivals to the sword. I think it's uh, all said and done now, given his time trial and ability, but yeah, good to
1: watch. Now it's going to be interesting. Um, I have a Cannondale as well, but it's not a, not a racing bike. It's more of a, like a mountain bike kind of thing. Cause I realized that I sometimes use it in the forest and stuff and it's not good to have a, the little thin tires and wheels. So yeah. I, I had to go with something more sturdy, but yeah, I always envied those, uh, those vintage speed bikes and I'm mean, racing bikes and see the, the hipsters in the, you know, in the classroom, um, uh, startup scene biking with their, with their little, uh, leather shoulder bags and messenger <laughs> bags to work. Uh, with the ankle clips on the on the pants. It
0: is a cool look and you know it does get like bike riding does go hand in hand with watchmaking in a lot of ways in terms of the precision and the engineering. I think really only uh Shinola made such uh, a connection between the two, mm-hmm. but I think there's scope, real scope for other brands to do that as well. Um you know, just like a whole kind of lifestyle brand built around like that kind of technique and precision. So how cool would it be to have a MBNF bike? Oh man, now that would be really, really awesome. (laughs) You know, what I always thought would be really neat is if like you could have like a mechanical bike computer, you know, like I don't know how they would do it or whatever, but imagine if they built like a bike that you could ride with an MBNF mounted on the handlebars, uh, one of the like turbine models or something and did that for Only Watch. That would be be awesome. Get some like top ranking cyclists bidding for it.
1: But do you know that there is one uh, by computer, I mean it's. I guess it's not mechanical, obviously, but it's a it's an analog uh, by computer uh, from a brand called um Omata, and
0: they're using a the psycho movement. Ah, you know what? That rings a bell. I have seen that. Maybe that's where I got the uh, the idea from. I'm gonna check that out again after the show. That's neat. Yeah, oh, that's really cool. Yeah,
1: it, Omata. It looks like looks like a yeah. It looks like a speedometer. Well, well it it is a speedometer obviously um and it's it's analog and it has a, a psycho movement inside um i i saw it a few years ago anyways but it's quite pricey i think for what it is so still definitely worth checking out yeah it, cool stuff cool stuff indeed well rob we're close to one hour i think uh we've talked about everything we wanted to talk about right until until maybe next week maybe we can open the mailbag again or or have some cool uh cool watch topics to to discuss we might have a um but do we have a champion next week by next week i don't know in the nba
0: well we we reckon we probably will um it depends whether our predictions bear out if it goes to seven then uh, i think perhaps we might just miss it but um we definitely will have a champion yeah. of the Euros and we will definitely know a little bit more about the Tour de France by the time uh, recording next week rolls True. around. So let's let's dive back in then and uh, pick up the mailbag also, maybe a bit of a mixed up show of, uh, of all those kind of bits. As always, if anyone has anything they want to hear on the show, if there's any sporting superstars you would like us to interview or Uh, have in the smooth booth please get in touch and we will reach out to them directly and hopefully feature some more athletes on the airwaves on wasp on watching sports and sporting watches until next time
1: unplug the fridge
0: unplug the freezer
1: we out